Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are in the world, welcome back to The Caring Economy with me, Toby Usnick. Today is a very special guest for me because she shares my love of aviation, and she is an incredible young leader and uh, star to watch. This is Zara Rutherford, the Belgian-British aviatrix who's circling the world this year to raise awareness to close the gender gap in both STEM education and STEM careers. Welcome to the Caring Economy, Zara Rutherford. Hi, thank you very much for, for having me. Zara, you and I met uh, first when you landed at JFK a few weeks ago here in New York at the, more at the beginning of your journey. You started in Belgium, Belgium where you live. You are British Belgian. Um, and I'm, I've just been wowed by your story from the start. So I'm, now you're in Alaska today. You're much further along in your journey. Um, can, can you give our our listeners, a little bit of overview of Zara Rutherford and your sort of life so far and the genesis of this journey. Yeah, sure. I think my life up until this trip was relatively normal, really. I grew up, I was very lucky, both my parents are pilots, and so I grew up flying quite a bit. Um, we would, my because of my father's job, we would fly in pretty special places, mostly around Southern Africa, around Europe. And then uh, he's a ferry pilot. So as I grew up, I was able to actually accompany him on some of his trips uh, kind of around the world. Our longest one was from Texas to India. And that took about two weeks. And actually, I had, I had to stop off in Jordan because I had to go back to school. Um, but so adventure kind of was, was just an integral part of, of growing up. And it was I, we, we were always looking for the next big adventure mm -hmm. and sure enough once I finished school I figured well <laughs> flying around the world is one of the biggest adventures you could you could do mm -hmm. so here I am yeah. it's really awesome and is your mother a pilot as well right she is yes she's a recreational pilot mm -hmm. my my dad actually convinced her and so it's it's really in the family my younger brother's a pilot too and so we're, we're all just obsessed with aviation Mm -hmm. And I, I got my license about 20 years ago, but um, I've always understood that it's much easier to do it in the US. Doing it in Belgium is that much more, I would think, challenging financially and in terms of just the, the limitations for a young pilot. Is that a fair statement? I'm not sure. I never trained in the US. Mm -hmm. What I can say is that the airspace is a bit more complicated. Mm -hmm. um, but. I mean, there are so many airfields and there's a school almost, you know, on every corner of the street. So, so uh, I think there are many opportunities. It could be more expensive, but I'm not too sure it's been. Mm -hmm. and, and yet, as, it's, as you've been introduced to it, um, gender has been an issue. There's been a gap, right? I, I know from my own experience, I think it's single digit, the amount of women uh, recreational pilots there are still in this country, but when did you start to notice that you were kind of the, the odd girl out and um, how did that lead to your doing what you're doing now? Yeah, I mean, I, I noticed straight away. Um, I never, uh, I still, I think I've only met one female instructor as of, I mean, I've met quite a few instructors now, but only one female instructor. And at the time before my trip, I hadn't seen any and not many female pilots and even less so that were around my age so I mean straight away I knew that speaking to friends like female friends that I was very much alone in this um yeah passion of, of going flying I went to an all-girls school so then I never really could I could never really relate to my friends about 
flying mm -hmm. and engineering because like, I quite like everything that is sciences. Mm -hmm. So I'm just hoping that that by doing this, I can encourage some more girls to go into aviation, but even the ones that already are interested in everything that is aviation, they can finally think, oh, look, there's another girl who actually likes flying. Like, I'm not the only one out here. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there are, there are some more of us. Yeah, it was really special seeing you land at JFK, which is very complicated airspace. I've only flown through it and never landed there myself. But all those young girls and boys meeting you at the airport was just super exciting because I know they looked up at you and thought, wow, how awesome I could be her one day. And that's exactly, I think, where you're really resonating with all these different communities you've touched along the way with your journey. Yeah, it's been amazing. Um, I've had such amazing support from people. And it's always, it's really nice when I land and there's a girl or a boy there with the drawing that they made. And it's, it's, it's really cool. Um, it definitely kind of helps keep me going, even when I'm feeling a bit lazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, one day I want you to meet my, uh, my current instructor for my instrument rating, Kate. She's a woman. She's the eldest of 10 kids. And she has, like you, gotten the bug early on. She's not even in her 30s, and she's already got her, her recreational, her instruction license, her twin, her commercial, and she's uh, also a mechanic. So she does our biannuals on our plane when we need that. Cool. Yeah. Actually, this is a um, not so fun fact, really, but apparently, yeah, female mechanics, it's only one or two percent, mm -hmm. which I thought was impressive, and I didn't know that until. Yeah, and Kate's amazing. Her level of detail when she does the the work, she actually sends photos along the way because I'm not that mechanic, right? But when I see her illustrate all the work she's done from, you know, the ball bearings and oil on the wheels to the flaps, all that stuff, she's she's really awesome. Um, can you talk a little bit about your inspiration some of you and your your website is fantastic i'll have you shout it out for our listeners but um tell us a little bit about your mentors and inspirations along the way sure i think up, it really was my parents at first i didn't really you know this, this amazing a famous example would be amelia right she is an incredible woman i can't imagine doing what she did but she died a very long time ago. And so as a seven, nine, 10, 11 year old girl, it's kind of related to that because you're kind of looking for someone who's a little bit older than you, right? And so then I really looked up to my parents uh, they were doing. And as I was growing up and kind of doing more research into there were a few women that I really admired. So one of the ones I mentioned quite often is Lillian Bland. She was born in the late uh, 19th century. And she was super cool. So she actually wore trousers. And at the time, a woman wearing trousers was pretty shocking. And um, yeah, just not, not really seen as very ladylike, I guess. And, and so she grew up wanting to be a um, jockey, like a horse racer. Mm -hmm. And so she trained and trained, got all the licenses that she needed, but ultimately wasn't allowed to compete because of her gender. So, okay. I think she just said, okay, no problem. I'll just move on to the next adventure. And around that time, the, the, well, the flying machine was invented by the Wright brothers. And uh, a few years after that, she decided, well, I'm going to 
uh, design, build, and fly my very own airplane. And that's exactly what she did. So she actually built an airplane, flew it, and, um, and it was the first woman, woman to do so. So she was super cool. In the end, her father actually convinced her to, to stop doing it because it was too dangerous. And by, he did that by giving her a car. And so she opened a car dealership. <laughs> Every time she just kind of broke those boundaries and went step further than everyone else. And I, I really admire that, especially, you know, 120 years ago. That must, for women, that must have been just amazing. And, and then a woman who kind of broke boundaries and went, I mean, again I admire her so much as Bessie Coleman so she was the first African-American to get her license but she wasn't allowed to do so in the U.S. because um, well she was a woman but most importantly because of her uh, her race right mm -hmm. they wouldn't allow her to, to train and so she actually went once and obviously going to France then wasn't just catching a, a flight out from JFK or wherever into Paris and so she went to France I'm not sure how long that took, but I can imagine it's quite a long time. And in a completely new country, new language, completely different culture, and actually learned to fly there, started doing aerobatics and performing. Became quite famous for, for performing and, and doing these shows where she would do her aerobatics. And she was really, really good. And she would go around the States eventually, perform. And she always stood her ground on um so at the time it was a pretty uh, big thing and so when she went back to her hometown i believe it was in texas and they said that she was allowed to perform and they wanted her to perform but there would be different uh different seating based mm -hmm. and black or white. based mm -hmm. on color yeah and and so she actually discussed and argued with them saying look i'm not actually going to perform unless we have a common entrance where um, it doesn't matter what color you are, we're, we're all you know, coming, mm -hmm. everyone's coming together. And so she, yeah, I think what she did was, it was incredible and, yeah. and I admire her so much. Uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, today on The Caring Economy, we have Zara Rutherford, who's a 19-year-old British-Belgian young lady who is uh, a phenomenal pilot and she is flying around the world to raise awareness about the gender gap both in stem education science technology engineering math as well as stem careers and uh, i met her here at the british consulate when she arrived at jfk but she's doing this to set a world record as well as raise awareness so zara tell us a little bit about your the record you're trying to set or to break and uh the previous holder of that record sure so i'm hoping to become the youngest woman to fly Solo. And previous record holder was uh, 30 years. She was called Shasta Wise. Uh, I met her, an incredible woman. And, and I'm 19, so hopefully I've got a bit of time to try and beat the record. With my visa delays, it looks like I might need it. Um, but yeah, so I'm trying to beat the record. And so far, it's going well. Mm -hmm. Still got 11 years to go. I'm on track. <laughs> I think Shasta is also a really interesting story in and of herself. I, our, our listeners might not know about her, but she's uh, born in Afghanistan and was trained in the United States on uh, aviation. And um, for me personally, it was quite dramatic that when I met Zara on her journey at JFK, it was the same week that Afghanistan was unfolding. 
And um, to think the, that this young uh, leader really went out as many of your heroes, Zara, and struck out in a great way when times and conventions would have suggested that's not the place for a young lady to be, but she did. And now I think you've got a great role model to whose record you can chase and break. And I know she's been very supportive of you in this effort. And um, she's now based in Florida, is it? Where is she now? Yes, she is, yeah, Jacksonville. Did you get to meet her? She's been, I mean, I did, and she's been incredibly helpful. Uh, it's quite, there are, there are a few people who, who know what it's like to flourish at you know, a young age. Um, and when I was being able to relate to someone and say, actually, you know, today was quite tough. Can I talk to you, see what, how, how it was when you had a tough day? Try and get some advice. And, and just general sort of, look, I'm flying from here to here, from like India to for, uh, Thailand. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what to expect. What, <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you recommend? So it's always really good. To that point, Zara, can you tell us a little bit about maybe some of your highlights so far? I'm sure there are many, or maybe some of your low points, because it is quite a strenuous journey you're on. Sure. I think my favorite spots so far have been, funnily enough, also the ones I thought would be more, more, most challenging, Greenland and Alaska. And actually, flying-wise, they were. They have been really challenging. <laughs> And Greenland, I met, I was stuck there for a couple of days and I met the, I was in a random hotel in a tiny, tiny village. And I met these uh, NASA scientists and they were doing uh, climate change uh, measurements. And so they would be dropping probes down from a plane into the ocean and measuring temperature, uh, salinity levels and things like that. And that, they were really, really interesting people. So I loved talking to them, kind of spending two days <laughs> with them. And then New York, obviously amazing. <laughs> I love New York City. And then, but I mean, every place is so unique because I'm traveling relatively quickly to the point where I can never really get used to one type of climate. It's mm -hmm. always changing. Once I get used to Greenland, I'm in Canada, right? Where it's again, completely <laughs> quite different. And then Canada, it's Montreal, right? Or oh, oh, sorry, so Goose Bay is in Montreal and Montreal is New York City, right? Mm -hmm. There's no really, there's no place like New York. And then from there, I went to Florida. Mm -hmm. And then from there, the Caribbean islands. And so it's always just completely different, which is slightly annoying sometimes when you're flying because you're like, okay, now I know what to, how to deal with this kind of climate and weather and temperature. And then suddenly you're, you're, you're somewhere completely different. Mm -hmm. So there have been definitely some challenging moments especially along the west coast of america i had just everything that was uh, stopping me i had a, an, a my pto tube was blocked so mm -hmm. a bit of an issue with mm -hmm. the plane and then that was in new mexico and then wildfires uh, bad weather mm -hmm. more wildfires and then and weather again in seattle Mm -hmm. um, and then plane issues and it was it's been it's been a long time Juno plane issues again and then now visa so my Russian visa expired by uh, like a day not even a day <laughs> Poor thing. And, which was frustrating <laughs> to say the least because I didn't know how quickly I could get a new one luckily um, relatively quickly so I should get mine really quickly now before winter sets in 
so the West Coast has been pretty tough. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're persevering. For our listeners who don't know the pitot tube, um, can you explain it? It's it's really critical to many of the instruments on the plane and measurement or ac accurate measurement, right? Sure. So for me, it was just my airspeed that would just comp yeah completely zero. And airspeed kind of I'd say measures the velocity of the plane relative to uh, the air right mm. around you, mm -hmm. and which means that I think how I usually describe it is you can't really tell what the plane it tells you whether the plane is flying or not in a kind of indirect way mm -hmm. and so so i realized when i took off that my airspeed was zero and um so i was in the air and i was like dang it like this is, this is normally, <laughs> normally right you would just stop taking off and you would you know stay on the ground but anyway i was in the air i was like dang it ran out of runway so i did a i quickly went around landed again I tried to figure out what my best sort of course of action was. And I decided my, my GPS was telling me what my ground speed was, so I could tell how fast the plane was going relative to the ground. Mm -hmm. And so I decided, you know, I'm going to try and go with the ground speed. That's completely fine. Uh, it's only, it was only a 20 minute flight. But one of the issues that I had in mind was that I have uh, my landing gear. When the plane thinks it's going too slowly, I can't. Uh, bring the wheels in and the other way around if the plane thinks it's going too fast I can't take them out mm -hmm. and so when I took off I, I knew that I my the landing gear would just remain out which would mean that the plane was a lot slower so I took off in New Mexico in the middle of the afternoon it is extremely hot and very very bumpy this is desert right there is there is nothing around and the high terrain as well very high terrain and oh, higher than I'm used to. And so I'm struggling to gain altitude because I'd like to remain at least sort of 2,000 feet above terrain mm -hmm. to be relatively comfortable. And, and I'm struggling to gain altitude because it's just so bumpy and the wheels are causing a lot of drag. And so the pain isn't very quick. And then suddenly my, the airspeed goes back to normal. So my, it's like my pitot tube has been cleared. So I'm like, okay, that's a bit odd. I'll just wait a few minutes. So that's what I do. Um, I wait and I wait and it looks normal. And so I'd have made a stupid mistake of saying, well, you know, I, I can't gain altitude. The airspeed looks fine. I'll bring the wheels in. So I, um, so that's what I do. And then it's all normal. And then a few minutes later, the airspeed goes way up. Like the plane is, it, my plane is telling me I'm going extremely fast when I know that's not possible because I'm in a climb and I know that the plane is telling me I'm just basically dropping straight down <laughs> and so I just think oh that is so annoying because now I can't get the tires back out to land so which is obviously a pretty important part of landing <laughs> and so I, I just turn around and and then there's these emergency release handles, so I'm able to get the wheels out, which I, I'd only ever simulated before. So that was my first sort of uh, mm -hmm. emergency procedure that I had to do, which was interesting. And then I landed, but then it meant that I spent the, a day sort of fixing the pita tube, but then also resetting uh, the, that emergency release system, um, which took takes some time. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but I mean, you know, can save a life. So absolutely. So that was definitely 
That's thrilling. But that's a low point in a sense, right? <laughs> mm, yeah. Also, I guess a blow to the confidence a little bit, just thinking, oh, they're kind of stuck here for another two days and I'm, I'm really trying to get to Russia. Mm-hmm. But I think rushing, rushing is really dangerous. So I'm, I'm really sort of trying to avoid saying, well, it's not looking great, but I'm sure I'll be fine because I need to get there. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get there it is. Um, because that that's the quite a dangerous thing to it's quite yeah, a dangerous say, trap to fall into yes uh, that's a cardinal rule we learn when flying both my husband and i are pilots and we got our license at the same time but that concept of get there itis we call it yeah you know, like the the pressure to get there is dangerous because you always want to put safety first and you did so good for you hey <laughs> tell us a little bit about um because on the on the caring economy, we like to talk about the role of business and society, and it's been fantastic to see the stable of brands and sponsors you have. Tell us a little bit about those corporations that are stepping up or individuals that are stepping up to support you in this role. I know, for example, Holly Branson's been great at Virgin um, and some great tech companies, but who are your sponsors and what can you say about them? Yeah, my, my main sponsor is ICD Soft. They're a website um, hosting company. They've been amazing. So I, I got a, a phone call this random morning, maybe a week before my, um, my departure. <laughs> and it was this Bulgarian phone number, right? And I was like, well, that's random. <laughs> but anyway, I pick up. And sure enough, it was a, a Bulgarian man who was explaining to me what ICD Soft was and how um, how he created it and kind of the story behind it and then said um, kind of out of nowhere we'll we'll be the main sponsor and so that was a shock for me I was so happy it was a huge sort of weight lifted off my shoulders and they have been they have been amazing they've been incredibly supportive mm-hmm. amazing people and and without them, I'd probably have run, run out of money in like Scotland. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so they've been really helpful. And then I got some different sponsors from individuals associated with companies. So Safe Sky was one of the first big ones. And they have an app for pilots to where it kind of tracks your plane relative to other planes and warns you for potential collision and things like that. I never expected... Um, Holly Branson to, to, to contact <laughs> and Virgin and they came on that was that was amazing I think it's so knowing that you don't have to uh, for a minute or you know oh we're gonna have to sell the house to pay for this mm-hmm. I have no idea where I'm gonna get the funds from but then Virgin came on board ICD Soft came on board Say yeah. came on board um Algae came on board there are um they do like manufacturing equipment mm-hmm. and then then yeah I mean it was it all went kind of crazy I was able to actually meet Richard Branson in the mm-hmm. Caribbean and that was sort of the most surreal experience I think I've ever had he had told me even a month before like where where I would be I would have said if, like shut up <laughs> like that is not going to happen well tell us you so that was- um Richard Branson also is an is very entrepreneurial we know like you in a sense and he also has his commitment to space and I know you want to be an astronaut when all is said and done so has Sir Richard asked you to be one of his early astronauts (laughs) (laughs) he did 
could say, you know, keep going and, uh, and you know, talk about it later. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Cool. But, well, uh, Zara, I know you have to get ready for the next leg. I don't want to be too um, piggish with your time. So um, just tell us as a sort of final thought, Zara Rutherford, you're circling the world to raise awareness for closing the gender gap in STEM education and STEM careers. Um, you're a great inspiration to me and to lots of young people I know. Um, what are your what what are your final tips or advice for going for it in life and staying positive and thinking about big goals bigger than oneself? I think I've been thinking about for me it what this trip has taught me is that before before I when I went on this trip I and even for this trip itself I was kind of I had these dreams but I was scared to go for them but I didn't admit to myself that so I would kind of look for excuses as to why I could not do this it'd be like oh you know I'd love the world but you know school or oh yeah, like I'm the, like I need to do this or I need to do that first or and that and I, I never wanted to assume responsibility of no I just either I don't want to do it or I do want to do it like I, I it, it took me a while to get there That's, um actually this trip is probably a bad example but just with different challenges before and and then I think it's important to say you know what this is what I want to do and like yes and I'm gonna go for it instead of thinking well you know maybe maybe not I guess we'll see what happens you know if, whatever you know I'm sure I'm sure it'll it'll work work out which in some cases it does <laughs> it works out but sometimes it's important to say no like this is what I want to do yeah. And I'm doing it and I'm going for it. And you know, we'll see and we'll see what happens, but I am 100 percent committed and I want to go for this. I love so it. this trip I mean, taught me that for also for every flight is doing this, let's go. We're, we're going for it. And for every flight, you know, it's kind of it, I I usually do this whole thing of one leg at a time. Because if you think of it in the grand scheme of things, it's kind of scary, right? Flying halfway and for now, for me now it's flying halfway around the world. It's like, oh. <laughs> that sounds scary but oh well you know i'm flying from montreal to new york city but right now it's oh i'm flying from alaska to russia it's a little bit scary but, but it's well, good have, to have a, go for it well i i'm 100 behind you and as you know we're we're introducing you all along the route to the ambassadors and the consul generals and the high commissioners from from where you are now to Malaysia, Singapore, Saudi Arabia, Bangladesh, and Myanmar, where your parents met. So we've got your back. We're here for you. Um, tell our listeners how to follow you. Follow me on Fly Zolu. That's like Fly Solo, but then with the Z because of Zara. <laughs> um, yeah, Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter whatever you'd like i also got a website flyzilla.com where you can find more information and track me live great thank you zara rutherford for joining us here on the caring economy today safe trip we'll be following you all on the way and however we can help let us know we're, we're really excited for you thank you for sharing thank you, thank you.